Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Okay, so I'm here with Tom <laughs> Peterson from Cheap Trick. What That's an right. honor for you to, to get the chance to chat with you today. I know you're so excited about Optics, aren't you? Educational yes. talk show? For yes, sure. Yes. And tell us why you're involved and explain that to our listeners and viewers. Well, our son, Liam's autistic. He's just turned 10. And um, we started really a music, we started writing music and recording music for him as a form of uh, speech therapy. Okay. And it just kind of evolved from there, you know, just uh, parents and his sister Lila and my Hi. wife Allison. Hi. And it really was Allison's idea to do it's to do music that's the kind of music that we like. It's in this rock and roll music, but with simple themes that are easy to understand and melodic, but very simple themes that you can use in conversation or whatever. That's, that's, that's great. So it gets them interested in speaking more through this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then now we've gotten we've gone beyond that to doing loops from the songs. Oh, and wow. doing speech sounds. That's through, great. Melodic speech sounds. So it's you know it, we just keep going and uh, you know we enjoy it. And it's our it's our life. You know? so, and it was your life because of your son. But now it's your, now you can help so many more people. Yes. And, by doing and we enjoy doing it. You know. And yeah. it's, uh, it's interesting. And we we thought it was probably would take on a life of his own, which it has yeah, been it doing. Does. So it's like, we'll just go where it leads us, you know. And now we're partnering with the Autism Society, and we're so excited to be working with them. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's exciting yeah. times, for sure. And, yeah. and you, so you're, you're, it's an app now you're developing and stuff? Or yes. Yes. Yeah. Of, can, of speech uh, therapy exercise. Yeah, so where can they find information on that? Uh, our website, uh, rockthroughspeech.com. And you have some other stuff going on, too, projects-wise, don't you, Tom? Oh, sure. Well, Cheap Trick's got a new record coming out uh, in June. And, you know, that kind of thing. We keep, we keep going. We can't stop. Yeah, you can. And now like you have all sure. so, so if you get yourself out there again, then you're going to keep helping yourself. And helping That's others. right. I'm, I'm in a good position in. because I can. People will talk to me about Cheap Trick, and then, and then you, know, you can bring this up. That's correct. And that's fantastic. So yeah. we're an education network, also interview celebrities, and we are on television and, and radio, and we really see this as such an important event. We're sponsoring as well. So. Great. So it's really great to chat with you. It's, it's where where can we find here. information on YouTube? Where you are you on Twitter and stuff? People can follow you. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Um, okay. I have Instagram. Your speech, and right. then right. Cheap Trick Thomas. Uh, awesome. So I haven't gotten involved with Twitter yet. Oh, you know. You will once you start touring again. Stacia keeps forced trying to get me to do you it. Won't do Twitter. <laughs> he won't? He I'll won't. do it for him. Instagram's a great one, too. Okay. I love Instagram. Oh, nice nice meeting you. Good. Hey, Liam, does Neil Hi, we're here at Josie Davis, Neil Haley's show at Oddfest. What brings you to Oddfest? I have a script, actually, that has uh, autism in it, and it's absolutely brilliant, and I would like the filmmakers to read it and make oh, it. Oh, okay. So yeah. made you be a scriptwriter. I actually didn't write it. Uh, this wonderful actor over here, Eddie Kaler, 
Hi. Hi. Neil Haley. He's a wonderful actor, but he's a brilliant writer, and I read his script reluctantly after two years of him asking me to, and I finally did, and I was blown away. And, and Joe Mantegna and, uh, and Martin Landau said it has to be made. They agreed, so... So when is that coming in the world? Well, we're, that's why we're here. <laughs> oh, really? To wait to hear what happens. To see if we can make it happen. Well, I hope it definitely does. I know. And, and I mean, this is what people are passionate about. Exactly. That's why we're here. Exactly. And so that, what, what is it, how, tell me how Oddfits speaks to you guys also, for reasons, especially you. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, my son, my son, he's 21, he's autistic, and um, I've been obviously deeply, deeply affected by it. Uh, you know the, the condition, and uh, he's a great kid, and we, we've had just uh, uh, an intense experience with him. And I, you know, I wrote the screenplay, you know, with the idea of not only telling the story, yes. but also, you know, uh, helping uh, illuminate people, you know, what the experience is. There's so many misconceptions. This definitely, yeah. the, this doesn't shove the information down your throat. Yeah. It makes you want to know more. Yeah. It's brilliantly exactly. done. And Eddie. that's why you're saying the people that have already said that. That's why. Yeah. And it's fantastic yeah. for sure. Yeah. So we'll be hearing from you soon. Hopefully. Great. Hopefully. Thank well, you. I hope so. Where can we find information Thank on you guys? You. Best place. Well, I'm JosieDavis.com. I'm Josie Davis on everything. Instagram, okay. Facebook, okay. Twitter, okay. Snapchat. All right. Great. Great. Yeah. Are Eddie, you on? Eddie Kaler acting on Twitter. Okay. Awesome. We're here at Neil Haley's show at Oddfest. And why Oddfest? Why come? Why am I here? Yeah. Why are you here? My, my dear friend Kevin Tenney, who um, directed me in a movie almost 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, called Night of the Demons, um, invited me, and I love him to death and support him fully. And his son, um, Christopher Tenney, has autism, who's a successful comedian and actor, and so I'm, I'm happy to, to come and, and be here and support it's awesome to support, but what I think is so unbelievable is they have movies with most with that were produced and, and directed by people with autism, but also the fact that the movies that finally Hollywood is producing right. involving an autistic character. Right. I think right. it's great. That's really good thing. I about. mean, it's. I think autism. Everybody knows somebody with autism now. You know, it's not. It's. It's. It's so common. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, in addition to Kevin's son, I know many, many Me people too. with autism. Yeah, so, you know, I think this is wonderful, and I think that, um, you know, giving awareness at a, a film festival right. is a wonderful thing. And it's needed, and we hopefully someday yes. will have someone with autism that's a main character in a, in a show. Right. Like, like, not just cartoons. Oh, so yeah. That's, that's a whole... I, I think it's coming. Yeah, it's it's got to be coming. It's got to be coming. Yeah. For I mean, sure. you, you just think of the label Brain Man and different things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. We need, right. we need so much right. more. Too. Right. Absolutely. It's, I know it's coming. It's coming. So you're here to support. Here to support. So, I'm very excited. So what's going on with your current projects? What's going on with you? Um, nothing. I'm sort of on a long uh, hiatus. I've been a mom raising my three okay. kids uh, low these many years. So um, I, I used to be on Dallas and, okay. and I did a cameo a couple of years ago. So I'm thinking about getting back to work. My kids are sort of two, two have grown and I have one left at home. So I'm like a couple of years away from so, so, diving back. So that's how totally. this business works, exactly. And then with all these independent projects, you never know. I and know. now you're out here now, so you can tell people, hello, hey, hello, hello who's, who's looking yes, for more work? Exactly, 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 exactly yeah. for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Where can we follow you on social media and stuff, right? I'm actually just 
I'm creating a Facebook page right now. I'm so behind the okay. time. So like, okay. yeah, I'm like, it's not very. Okay, yeah, just, just right wiki, wiki you. That's wiki it. Me. Wiki you. Wiki you, yeah. and that's it. And then everyone should follow at Autfest and I'll, I'll yeah. check out the National Talk Autism Society. And thanks Definitely. for chatting with me. Thank, I appreciate thank it. You, thank thanks. You. Appreciate nice it. Nice to Neil Haley show here at Autfest, and I'm with Becky G. That's right. Awesome, Becky. Now tell us one reason you're here is because of your um, for autism. Tell us about that. That's right. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just like to say it's an honor to be here. I actually, my little brother Alex, he was my date tonight. Um, is right here. My little man right here. He's very excited to be here. Um, he was actually diagnosed with autism when he was very young. When he's about two years old. And he's the best thing that's ever happened to us he's like my hero in real life and I had uh, the opportunity actually to take part in a very special movie that you know showcases yes. the very first autistic superhero yes. which is Billy the Blue Power Ranger in the Power yes. Rangers movie and um, RJ my really great friend I think did an amazing job representing yes. um, what autism is because yes. autism is very different for different people exactly. and and um, that took some learning for me as well, obviously being in a family with Alex. And um, like I said, it's, it's exciting to be here. And, and any way that we can support and bring awareness, I think, is, is really exciting for us. So that's the excitement, is because it's so close to you. Exactly. And, and, and you're happy to see their characters finally in Hollywood. Yes. That are portraying us. Yes, I, mean, I think it's, 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 it's amazing. Sure. Well, I've... They're just incredible people. Yes, they are. You know, they're so... He's one of the smartest people I know, and I tell him this all the time. And it's amazing how um, now us being able to showcase this in a much greater way, yes. like in film or... Um, just across the board, I think, just bringing more awareness. It's kind of opening people's eyes that it's not just one way. No, exactly. That the autism umbrella is actually really big. And, um, yeah, to just kind of, you know, educate themselves a little bit on, on what it is to be autistic and to know right. someone that is autistic. One size does not fit all. Exactly. I'm an educational advocate. I work with autistic children, tutoring them. Gotcha. Nice. I see that absolutely that just every, they're all different. They're so exactly. And they have such brilliant thing. And it's such an unbelievable honor. <laughs> And it's That's great right. to be here, and I know yes. you're excited as well. Yes. Uh, Becky, where can we follow you and find you on social media and stuff? Um, across the board on my social media is I am Becky G on Instagram, Twitter, on my Facebook. So, yeah, you guys can go follow me there. And um, I'm obviously very, I'm like an open book. All my fans, all my beasters, they are part of my family. So they know my siblings, they know my parents, and they always follow along. So if you want to be a beaster, you guys can just follow me. New projects coming up that you can tell Yeah, about? I'm actually, well, obviously we just released the Power Rangers movie, yeah. which was really awesome. My first film, and um, now just really focus on the music, working on my Spanish album. Oh, and great. Yeah, so can't wait for you guys to hear all right, well, you definitely know to connect with your fans, that's how your, yes. it grows. And then what you're able to do, continuing to be popular as a musician and an actress, you're able to bring this awareness. Right. So you have a great mission. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, thanks for Thank stopping by. Thank you so much. It. Thank you. And it was nice meeting you as well. <laughs> All right, so, uh, Neil Haley's show here at Oddfest. I'm here with... Tara Lane. How are you? And what's really cool for our local Pittsburgh audience is you are from Pittsburgh. Yes, I am. Oh, my gosh. Yes, so, so tell us that story for a second, then we'll talk a little bit about Office and why you're here. But, um, yeah. Yes, definitely. I um, Well, I was recently on The Voice, season 11, and 
lived. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Spent some time in Nashville and landed in LA a few years ago. And I'm a singer, I'm a songwriter, and been doing my thing. I'm doing my thing. So what did you think of that experience of The Voice? Absolutely amazing. It really opened up a lot of doors for me and honestly just really inspired me to do even more things like this in the future. Yes, yeah, so what what is the reason you are attending Oddfest? This is such a great uh, opportunity, what they've done yeah. this film festival and what the National Autism Society is able to do. Yes. I, um, well, I actually have a friend who's involved in the event and actually growing up, my mother's best friend has three autistic children. Oh, my. Um, and I grew up babysitting them okay. for a really long time, for four or five years. And um, I like getting involved in different philanthropy projects and stuff okay. like this. And this definitely caught my eye. So definitely good, want to perform this evening and have fun and just oh, volunteer. Right. It's, it's, it's great. And it's something when anyone's touched with autism, I'm an educational advocate. I tutor kids with autism. And I just, I just this is something more. We're a sponsor as well, my wife and I. We just thought this is just an event we have to be at, mm -hmm. for sure. And just, just to finally highlight uh, what, what autism is about and also just the talented people that, that bring out. So it's fantastic. Where can we follow you and find information on you? Where can we go? Well, you can find me online, www.tarlene.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Tarlene. And say hi to Pittsburgh, right? Say Hello, hi to Pittsburgh. Hello, Pittsburgh. Bleed black and gold. Alright, go Steelers. Right? Yeah, go Steelers. Right. Penguins and Bucks. Hi everyone and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. And you can check me out on Twitter at Total Tutor and NeilHaley.com. And I'm excited to welcome the program Boston Marathon bombing survivor Roseanne Sedoya. She's author of Perfect Strangers, Friendship, Strength, and Recovery After Boston's Worst Day. Roseanne, thanks for calling. How are you? Good. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Roseanne, uh, again, I've been watching some of the interviews that you've been doing on the book and stuff. I mean, an amazing story why you put this together of three strangers and how your life changed that day, not just with the uh, horrific accident, but your life in general with these relationships with these three people who saved your life. So tell us the story specifically how you met them. On April 15, 2013, I was doing the same thing that I've done year after year after year for so many years. I went to the Red Sox game in the morning, and we had a couple of friends that were running the marathon, so we had a usual spot that we would, you know, go and wait for them to come down Boylston Street, and so that's what we did. We went to the Red Sox and then got the automated alert update on our cell phones that they would be approaching the city soon, and, and so we made our way over to Boylston Street, got another automated alert update that they'd be running down pretty soon, and um, we were at the barricade, uh, the gate there, uh, waiting for them to come down the street, and we were out there for about 10 minutes, and the first uh, explosion happened down to our left, and it's very... Uh, it's amazing how quickly 11 seconds goes by, but yet it also is very slow in the back in your head as you're having all these different thoughts run through. And right. I decided to turn to my right and run, and, and in doing so, the second bomb pretty much exploded at my feet. Oh, wow. And that's how you met these three people right after that happened, right? Because they saved your life. Uh, yeah. Mike, Shannon. Um, yeah. Yes. There was, there was yeah. Sorry. I get excited to That's talk okay. about them. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but, yes, uh, 
Shore Salter, the college student, he kind of ran into the smoke from across the street and found me sitting there on the sidewalk. And then uh, Shana Katoma, the Boston police officer, she saw Shore holding a tourniquet on my leg. And then Mike Materia came over to help some of the other firefighters that were assisting me. And as he did, he basically got there just in time as my transport was pulling up. And it wasn't your typical ride to the hospital in the back of an ambulance because those were all full and just passing by. I, I ended up going to the hospital in the back of a police prisoner transport vehicle. And so Mike accompanied and had to really kind of hold me on the backboard on the metal bench in the back because there's no seatbelts or anything like that back there and no way to secure someone. So he basically had to hold me on there um, and, and, and brought me to the hospital. Wow. So all three of them, I, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're indebted your whole life based on what they were able to do for you, but that relationship continued. And that's why you've written this book. And especially for the one, we don't want to spoil it for our listeners yet, you'll tell us in the story about Mike and your relationship, but kind of go into specifically enough, how, not after that day, it didn't end with the relationships of these three perfect strangers, you know, that uh, you're writing about in this book and how they didn't, it didn't end after you got to the hospital, right? There's a lot, much more to come. Correct. And, and, you know, the the book isn't really about what happened that day, and I wrote it because of what happened thereafter. And it's about the good that came out of that day, about complete strangers who stepped up to help people. But also, it was such a crazy day that the three of us, have, or the four of us, have formed, you know, this really strong bond where, in a sense, we're not just friends, we're family. And I think it really truly came because of the uniqueness of the situation it happening on the streets of Boston, it happening at our beloved marathon. Uh, you know, coincidentally, in, in Boston, it's called Patriots Day as well. So, you know, for all these things to happen on that day and it being so tragic, there was a sense of connection with people. And I feel as though that that's what happened with us. But in a sense, too, everybody kind of started to seek out who they helped to see if they had survived, because I was so near death when I got left at the hospital that, you know, Mike is in, in the back of this wagon and Shana was in the front seat trying to clear traffic. They wanted to make sure that I survived because they didn't know once they left me there. And there was this really strong bond. And then it took two weeks to find Shores. Uh, you know, he was looking for me and I was looking for him because he was extremely instrumental. And and now it's, it, we're really more family than anything. Uh, it's just, just amazing. And we're there for each other. And, you know, I think we help each other get through the craziness of it and then just realize that, you know, we all had this connection and, and that, um, you know, we kind of mean a lot to each other in our lives just for what we've all gone through in respect to that, that crazy day. And then also when you talk about your relationship with Mike, and uh, I, I watched your Fox News interview with that, and I just absolutely, it just it's, it's tremendous the fact that you guys got together and he helped you so much that it formed this unbelievable bond that you fell in love with him. And uh, I guess what did Mike do that just literally 
changed your whole life in, in so many ways. Is, is now he's your fiance and you're soon going to get married. So tell us a little bit, and I'm sure a lot of it's in the book about what kind of person he is, for sure. Yes, uh, you know he is an amazing person. He has been to Iraq three tours. Uh, so he's a veteran. He's a firefighter, and he's just so kind and so thoughtful. And, and um, you know, for the the month that I was in the hospital and rehab, although he was you know there almost every day visiting, when he wasn't there, I'd be like, huh, why why didn't he stop by today? Uh, and and then when I got out of rehab and I was home, with him being a firefighter, his schedule is a little bit different. So he was able to spend some time with me during the day, and it was quality time. And he'd help me go to different appointments, and and we just really got to know who the other person was, and just really kind of gave us that chance to see how good natured each other was, or you know, and make that connection. And, and I think we fell in love, and we were both very, very hesitant in the beginning because. You know, some people have called it a Florence Nightingale syndrome or whatever, but that we wanted to make sure that that was not the case and, and that we truly had these feelings for each other. And, and, um, and you know, we've, we've just started to build a beautiful life together. And, uh, you know, it's hard to say what I want my leg back versus having, having the life that I have with him right now. And, you know, it's a tough comparison, but everything's, you know, uh, we all have our issues. We all have our daily grinds, and mine are just a different set. So, you know, I'm very happy to to be where I am, and and ecstatic and overjoyed to have him, you know, be be in my life and and me in his. And well, um, well, yeah, we're going to get married in October. <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> our date. Yeah, congratulations. And what's really Thank nice you. about this whole story, Rosanna, is things happen for a reason. We wonder why they happen, and your life changes, and now you're out speaking and you're talking about your story and how you're able to cope with the injury and telling others about it. So where can people find information on you to purchase the book? I know we can pick it up in, on, in, in, on Amazon and uh, other finer bookstores, but where can we find information on you, Roseanne? Where can we go? Um, oh, thanks for asking. I have a website. It is um, www.rovostrong.com. So row R O for Roseanne and then Bo B O for Boston Strong.com, Robostrong.com. And there's a link to Amazon and Barnes and Noble and IndieBound on, on my website as well. And uh, yeah, I mean if if I can speak with a group and help one person in the group, it, it makes my life so much more worthwhile. And uh, you know, I've I've really enjoyed doing that and then putting the story down on paper because I think people need to know that there was so much good that came out that day. Roseanne, you have a tremendous story. You're a survivor, but you're trying to make a difference in the world after this tragedy, and you are showing how Boston is so strong, as we've heard from so many times, and people need to check out the book and learn more about you. So thanks again, for Roseanne, for calling. Take care. Thank you so much. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at TotalTutor, and NeilHaley.com. And uh, it's an exciting, uh, we have an exciting guest on the program. I tell you, it's exciting to talk to rising star London Arrington. You know her from Fox TV's Empire and much, much more. London, thanks for calling. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? Fantastic, London. So first of all, tell our listening audience how old you are. How old are you, London? I am nine years old. You're nine years old. So, uh, again, you just show you how you sound much more mature than nine by getting on the radio because of the experiences, London, you've been able to experience so far in your life have been amazing, haven't they? Yes, it's amazing. Absolutely. So tell us the story of when you started acting. How old were you when you started acting? I was seven years old. Seven years old. What made you want to be an actress? What 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 told you, hey, I'm going to start doing this? Well, I like to watch Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, and I see all these amazing actress, actress, and I could say, hey, I want to try something new in my life. I want to be an actress and show people that you can do anything and your dreams can come to a reality. And that's that, that that's that that's that's a, that's a great thing. And you said, yeah, I have the confidence to do it. So, what was the first thing you auditioned to for when you were seven? When you started, in Fences. what what did you audition in? Excuse me. Fences. Offenses. Oh, oh my gosh! So 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 right off the bat, you uh you get to audition and get uh, and get to work. In fences, so that's got to be an unbelievable experience with the talented people that are on that set. Wouldn't you agree? The people you were working with. Well, I met Denzel Washington, and I was just so amazed. He's one of my favorite actors. I also seen Viola Davis. She was really nice. I met this little girl so nice at me. She was awesome. Everybody. Everybody there was amazing, and I had a nice time. Absolutely. And so people might have not known it was shot so many years ago, Fences, so it took a long time to finally come out on uh, as a film, right? It didn't? Yes. Yeah. So you got that opportunity. Tell us about the story about how you got this opportunity on Empire and your role, for sure. Well, my agent called my mom, and then she was just like, so London got the job for Empire. And I heard her, and I just started crying. I was bawling my eyes out. It was, I just, I couldn't thank anyone who got in my mom, my agent, everyone who comes and support me. I'm so happy. I just want to thank God. Absolutely. So tell us specifically, uh, you've uh, done this for a couple seasons so far, what your role is on Empire so people can remember. And it's you are playing a, an unbelievable character when she's young, right? And you did a great job and they continue playing, to bring you back. Yeah. Yes, I was playing Young Cookie. So when you first heard you're going to play Young Cookie, what did you think about that? I don't know if you've watched Empire before that point in time or different things. What were, yes. you, what were, you, what were you thinking? You're like, oh, my gosh, what, what, a, what a cool it's character cool. to play. Yes, it felt like my heart exploded. I was so excited to play Young Cookie. Absolutely. And uh, that that preparation, did you watch some of how Cookie interacted as an adult to kind of come up with how you were going to play the Young Cookie? Yes. Have that attitude, right? Yes. He has an attitude. He's spicy. Now, London, do you have that same attitude yourself, or you're definitely acting? 
No, I act. <laughs> you, you, your parents would not like the fact that if you if you were uh, if you're that kind of attitude at home, right? They wouldn't be happy about that. Excuse me. I said they if you had that attitude at home, your family wouldn't be very happy with you, would they? No, I'm a really laid back kid. I I like to play outside and stuff. So, what did your friends think when you got the opportunity to play cookie? What were they saying to you once they heard that you had that role? Well, they were like, "Congratulations, London! I can't believe this. I'm so happy for you. I can't wait to watch you on TV." And once they saw you on TV, what did what they what did they say after that? They were just excited, right? And like, wow. They started to ask for my autograph and give me a lot of hugs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. And so how many seasons have you been doing this character? Has it been two so far that you come in to, to play Young Cookie? Yes, I played Young Cookie for only two seasons for a flashback. Okay, awesome. And uh, well, you don't know when you'll be back again to play Young Cookie again, right? No, you can't tell our listeners what's happening there, right? Yes, I don't know when I'm going to go back. I just wait for the phone call. You just wait for the phone call. And what did you think? Who did you like working with on set the most when you were on set for Empire? Who did you kind of joke around with or uh, really learned a lot from? Well, I played a lot with my friend Alyssa. She was really nice and fun. She played young Kansas. Cool. And what kind of experience did she have, uh, London, as a as an actress, your friend? Excuse me. I said, what kind of experience acting did you guys have? About the same amount of experience acting, your friend that you worked with on set. Yes. About the same. Okay. All right. Awesome. What's going, what's new with you right now, London? Do you have anything new to report to us? What's going on with your career right now? Any other projects coming up? Well, yes. I come out with, I came out with my new eyewear called Wonderwear. And if you want to buy a pair of my eyewear, make sure you go on davidfordcollections.com. Awesome. Give us that website one more time, London. davidfordcollections.com. All right. Well, fantastic. So what made you come up with your own eyewear? Was that something that, tell us that journey of deciding to do an eyewear. Excuse me? Tell us about why you decided to to have your own eyewear. Well, because kids get bullied a lot and I just want to show them that you don't have to listen to what the haters say. So I came out with wacky, cool, fun looking glasses just to make them better and make them feel better so that they won't feel down, you know? All right. Well, fantastic. And uh, so, and, and we can find information on you, London. Where can we find info on you and learn more about you? Where can we go? We can, you can go on all of my social medias at so, so Lundy. So underscore, so underscore Lundy. All right. Well, London, best of luck. Thanks for calling. And I also see that you have a project coming up on Netflix as well. Uh, so we definitely, definitely need to follow you uh, um, to find out more information, what's the newest projects. But thanks for taking the time and best of luck. You're welcome.
welcome. No problem. Take care. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. I enjoyed chatting with you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Neil Haley Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutor and NeilHaley.com. And it's Fridays, and I can't wait always to chat with my buddy, pal, WPL Hall of Famer, ESPN analyst, former teacher at St. Agnes with me, UNLV running rep, Coach Karen Hall. Coach, how are you? And, you know, anytime we talk about the University of Pittsburgh, I'm getting excited. You know I am. Uh, I know you are, Neil. It's always great to be back on the air on Friday. It's wonderful having our guests be able to join us, and today is no different. So I'd like to introduce our guest for today, who, as Neil said, is of the University of Pittsburgh, 1987 Oslo basketball class, recruiting class, Bobby Martin. Bobby, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Good. So, Bobby, we like to just jump right in it, right? So, I want to find out, was basketball like your ball of choice that you picked up way before the University of Pittsburgh was in your sight? So, how did you start playing basketball? Um, I got playing on I was basically in drama class. Um, I was tall. I had no affinity for basketball whatsoever. You know, the old thing where you, you can't walk and shoot them at the same time. That was basically me. I was going um, My the, uh, junior high teacher at the time asked me to come into the rest center. Um, I skipped drama class, fell in love with basketball, and uh, never stopped. Interesting, Bobby. And would you say what did uh, who in particular kind of got you interested in basketball? Was that your favorite sport growing up? Well, there were two people that got me interested. Um, that really got my fire going. One was my uh, my grade school uh, gym teacher, Gary Grant. Uh, he was a detective in the police department in the city. And um, as I needed to improve, it was our, our uh, junior varsity coach named Lloyd Barcia. We are looking for 10 volunteers who are now asked to check your okay. carry-on back directly to your final destination. Over her space will be eliminated. Okay. Coach, you there? Hello, Coach? Not Hello? here. Okay, go ahead and go next, uh, uh, next question for Bobby. Yeah, so, Bobby, you know, you say the whole you couldn't uh, run and chew gum. And then your coach gets you interested in playing games. So what made it interesting for you to continue to play the game? Um, well, you know, being from Atlantic City, Philadelphia, and the 76ers were, um, you know, our team of choice by default. Um, you know, being able to watch Dr. J and, you know, run and jump. Now, not that I could do it, but it was nice to watch. And uh, you know, the kids around me—they were all a little bit more, a little bit more adept at uh, playing than I was. And uh, you know, I, I guess you can tell when you're young if you're a competitor, competitor or not, because uh, I got tired of getting my butt kicked. So I just get yeah. better. <laughs> and well, so, how was your coordination? Was your coordination coming together as you started to figure out that okay, no more getting my butt kicked. I think I need to learn how to do this. So, how was the coordination? Um, no, I think the coordination didn't come until a little bit later. Um, it wasn't automatic. Um, I think what, what was instilled in me in the beginning was a work ethic. Um, you know, when I started playing, I was lucky enough to go to camps 
um, you know, like John Cheney, Sunny Hill. Um, it was, it was mm-hmm. a huge camp back then. And uh, it was just hard work. You know, they taught me, look, run the floor. You know, don't stop running. Uh, you know, go after a rebound. I was probably throwing a lot of elbows and, uh, you know, there was a lot of pushing and shoving. But, uh, you know, that was the easy part. The, the hard part was really learning how to uh, to run and jump with a basketball in my hand. And I don't know if I ever got really good at it. <laughs> you know, I can I can feel that Bobby in a lot of ways as I'm six foot nine and a half, and I never caught up in my coordination until I became a professional wrestler, just because I was lazy and not wanted to do all the techniques necessary to get the coordination caught up. Bobby, do you think uh, that the, you had to that motivation to say I got to get coordinated because I'm just getting, as you talked about, your butt being kicked? What types of things that were you able to do to to get your coordination so you're at least as coordinated as some of the other players on the floor? Um, well, I, I think it was more of being taught, um, being taught how the game works, you know, being able to look at the game a little bit. Um, you know, as you get, as, as I got stronger, um, you know, I, I had great gym teachers and, you know, they were all into the plyometrics and, you know, just understanding how the body works and how to move. Um, I think that combined with the natural athleticism uh, helped me catch up and, um, you know, probably surpass a lot of guys. Um, you, know, you, you call the kid a late bloomer. That was probably me. Um, okay. The work ethic, I mean, I didn't know anything else. I mean, that, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, you didn't get you didn't get a pat on the back for working hard. I mean, it was required. So, you know, that's what you learned. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so the whole, uh, the whole pat on the back, that's kind of where we are today. But when we think about you saying how you just learned the work ethic, you had to, uh, you know, play it and just keep learning. So when did you figure out what part of your, whether your high school career, that you knew that you had turned the corner and that you were a real player now? Like you were a legitimate player where people had to talk about Bobby Morgan in their high school scouting report. Um, I was fortunate enough to have, uh, in high school, a couple of guys who were, um, you know, honorable mention and, and uh, actually all American. So I got a chance to learn and play against those guys every day. And, um, so I was challenged. Um, I don't think I figured it out until I went to five star and, you know, when you're in Holmesdale and you're in, uh, you know, with Garth and everybody and Howie Klein, you know, you're up there and you're with the right. best players out there. It was um, it was more of a proving ground, you know. And you know, kids are like, like you know, kids are competitive. Uh, I was from Atlantic City. I wanted to represent Atlantic City. I mean, I couldn't go back and not you know show well because many guys from Atlantic City had gone there and showed well. So there was probably a little bit of fear in there. Um, as far as the high school scouting report, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't think I did. I have no idea what they were saying. Um, they were they weren't trying right. to shoot. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah. What do you think of that game now, Bobby? Where the big men are really shooting from the outside more, and a lot, and are, are kind of encouraged to play in the on the perimeter. Well, the game is transitioned. Um, I think that you know, while bigs are asked to do more, um, I think sometimes uh, we forget about the advantages that we we actually have. Um, I would like to see. Um, you know, big start to play in the post a little bit more. Um, and the reason being is because once the next shot comes along, the game will change again, you know? Right. <laughs> It'll go right back right. to them meeting big. But I think it's good that 
um, you know, the taller kids are actually learning how to play with the ball in their hands. So, you know, you, okay, so you've come a long way. You figure out you can play. You can compete with the best of them. And then high school, senior year rolls around. What was recruiting like for you in terms of between recruitment and getting to University of Pittsburgh? Well, recruiting was nuts. Um, my grandmother at the time was absolutely tired of coaches calling. You know, the rules were different then. Um, and, you know, it was basically the wild, wild west. Um, it was nice to see, you know, you know, all the big-name coaches come in the gym. Um, unfortunately, I don't think I had – I may have had good games, but once those coaches walk in the gym, um, so everybody else wants to show off. So <laughs> it was right. – I didn't get the ball much. Uh, but it was fun. Um, it, it's nice to be wanted. Um, I, I think that, you know, it, I don't think it's changed much, of, you know, unless they, you know, they probably just put a lot more rules on there, were a lot more stringent on what can and can't be done. But uh, mm-hmm. as a kid, I love the attention. It was great. So how did you end up at Pitt? So you can't. So what were the last two schools that you were deciding upon before, you know, saying, okay, I'll become a Panther? Right. Um, the last two schools were Villanova and Pittsburgh. Um, I, I verbally committed to Nova. Um, I had a great time on my visit to Pitt um, with Jason, uh, Jason Matthews, who's a, a brother of mine. Um, and uh, at the time, I was 17. Uh, you know, Villanova was telling me if I came, they wouldn't recruit anybody else. And, you know, in hindsight, uh, you know, maybe it, it, it would have been just as good as good as Pitt was. But I think they told me that um, what Coach Matt had told me was, is that, hey, you know, we think we can play with Perry Carter. Now, Perry was a guy who I was fighting with in every camp. And uh, mm. while we did a different position, I didn't think that we could play together. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after receiving that promise, then committing, then hearing Coach Matt, you know, you know, start having different ideas, I said, you know what, this is not the place for me, and I chose Pitt. And was Coach Calipari still recruiting then or no? Was no, after I chose to go to Nova, um, I didn't talk to Cal. Um, <laughs> but when I when I decided to change my mind, I gave Coach Matt a call, um, told him I wasn't coming. Um, I called Coach Cal, Coach Cal, and told him I wanted to come to Pitt. Interesting. Okay. So, when you, when you saw that recruiting class that you were coming in with, it's just it's again you talked about Jason Matthews, uh, that 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 group. I mean, just to, for Pitt to get this type of stars all in one year. It must have been interesting because you guys got to really spend lots of time together as a freshman class and for and work and play together, right? So it was like it was a really cool thing to have young ones going in against some of the top players at Pitt ever had it, it, joining that group. Think about Jerome Lane, Charles Smith, uh, Demetrius Gore, Curtis Aiken. You guys are thrown in the mix as the top young talent, and you come into this kind of core of a team. Um, I don't know if we ever thought of it like that. Um, I, I, I understand it now, but we just wanted to compete. I mean, we were, you know, up, up in trees and, and up in Fitzgerald in the summer, and all we did was want to compete, man. I don't think we even cared about where we were ranked. Um, you know, it was nice, but uh, to us, it really didn't mean anything. We knew we were coming in together. We all got along. 
And uh, it was just about you know, seeing, seeing how we could put something together to get some wins. I don't think there was one. I don't think there was one um, ego out of place. Um, maybe maybe except for Jason. He was always a little ugly, but uh, he's always been there. Interesting. Very interesting for sure. Um, and so Bobby and that process, when you guys got together that, 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 that season, your freshman year was a very special year, wasn't it? Uh, for looking for looking back at that time. It was, um, you know, it was great. I still remember the loss of Vanderbilt like it was yesterday. I remember Barry going hitting the three. Me too. <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, being with guys like Charles and Jerome and, and Demetrius, um, you know, I think Curtis was just recently graduated. He was always around giving advice. It was easy for us to be freshmen. We didn't have to be anything else but freshmen. We were allowed to grow at our own pace. And, um, you know, Coach Evans and Coach Cal, uh, you know, they did, a, they did a great job at, at bringing us along. And uh, I think we got better as time went on. Definitely. Yeah. So then you developed together, uh, coming through your collegiate career, and then um, talk about some championships at, during your tenure, Big East, because you guys were the Big East Conference then, and the competition within the Big East, and then NCAA, like making it to the NCAA. Um, yeah, I think making it to the NCAA was a huge deal back then. Um, um, I'm, I'm sure it still is today, but uh, it's, I don't know, for us, um, that was, you know, the dream, you know, make it to the tournament. The Big East was extremely tough. Um, you know, Syracuse had Ronnie Feifley, Derek Coleman, um, you know, Mark Bryant and Ramon Ramos were at Seton Hall. Mm, um, wow. St. John's was tough with Jason Williams, um, um, Malik Steele, uh, Shelton Jones. <laughs> oh, I mean, she listen to those names. Yeah. Every night. Every night. Dan Barrels was at BC. I mean, it was nuts. It was nuts. Yeah, the Big East was what really, yeah, truly. The tournament was great. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, Bobby. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just that, you know, I think at, at that time we had six fouls in the Big East. So, you know, if, if you got out of the Big East, and, you know, I forgot to mention, that's right, um, Let's see, uh, you had those Georgetown teams. I mean, that was a long run to Kimber. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, we've got six fouls, and, you know, you're playing all year. You're tired. Uh, we didn't have a huge bench at that time. And, uh, you know, we, we did what we could. I'm sure we could have probably gotten better in some aspects, but uh, I think it was a great one. What would you say? So I was going to say, Bobby, what would you what would you say was the greatest memory you had of that '87 season for you? That's a tough question. I don't think I've I've thought about it. Making the Big East All Freshman Team, I think that was a pretty pretty big moment. Watching Jerome break the backboard was also great. Oh yeah. <laughs> Probably Jerome breaking the backboard. The greatest memory is Jerome. But I was there. I was, uh, I, I, and I, I, it was just so unbelievable. You're, I was getting ready to get some food. Got up, walked right up. I was in high school then, Bobby. I, I walk up. I see this pass. I said, "Oh man, Jerome's gonna send this in." And then I looked and I said, "That backboard's broken." Holy cow. That probably was one of the, and he, and he dunked on the guy too. So it was just unbelievable. 
So well, you were blown away, you guys, yeah. and 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 how crazy Fitzgerald Fieldhouse was from that dunk, right? Oh my! Oh, it was nuts. The whole place just blew up. I mean, it, you know, it, it was quiet, and then everybody just erupted because they understood what just just what what just happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was nuts. Um, you know, the, the funniest thing about it was Rome tried to do it again. Uh, he, he, he tried all year to do it again and he couldn't do it. So what a mess. <laughs> So, 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 I don't think he probably did, but so in practices, because you guys are dunking in practices, you know, in half court drills and everything. So was that ever a conversation of his, or did anyone ever bring that up about shattering the glass? Did he bring it up as one of the plans? No, before that happened, before he shattered the glass oh. that game, in practices, you know, throughout the year, throughout the season. Was that ever something that came up totally in practice? Um, no, I remember Charlie um, breaking the rim on uh, Duncan on, I think, Shinsis, during Shinsis that year. So, Rome, Rome probably wanted to, uh, tried to one-up him. That's about it. We didn't talk about it that much, and especially right. I was fighting for my life down there in practice. Yeah, you were talking okay. about fighting for your life. Were those guys strong? Bobby, you're a strong guy going in as a freshman. I mean, you had a good build on you, but you got Jerome, you got Demetrius at three, and then you got and you, and you got Charles, and you're in practice every day banging in with them, right? Exactly. There was no comparison. Um, Brian Shorter was probably the strongest um, guy out of the well, – actually, he was absolutely the strongest guy out of the freshman. Um but Jerome and Charlie were, I mean, they were men. You know, they were men, and uh, Demetrius was, was no lightweight. Um, Rob Brooklyn was also there. So, oh, yeah. Uh, we got to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had to fight every day. So how did that fight help you post-college? So you went through your career. You know what you experienced, the championships, the ups and downs. But playing with those type of players, they had high performance thoughts about their good day-in, day-out um, basketball skills. How did all that now help you after you graduated? How did you use all those skills? Uh, I would say that the day-in, day-out grind um, of having to compete in the Big East um, you know, was, um, was definitely a, a life lesson because um, you couldn't take days off. Um, I think, you know, now we, I shouldn't say we, but I, I think now the kids have a tendency to um, to turn the switch off and then think they can just turn it on again. Um, professionally, like, I mean, this is, you know, I had to do it as a, uh, to support my and to support my family, so there were no days off. You know, you were always focusing on the next moment and, you know, how you could offer more. Um, I think that Pitt and the culture that, uh, that we have at Pitt, including you know, being part of the university and being part of that city, which was known for hard workers, I mean, you just gravitated towards that. And I think those that come in there and are ready to work like that, you have a great time. You know, it's, it, you know, win or lose, they just want to see you work hard. And that's what I learned. Uh, that's what I learned in Pittsburgh and being at Pittsburgh. So now you're coaching. Now you're on the yeah. other side. What's yeah. the view from the other side between playing and now leading 
uh, student-athletes as an assistant. And you can talk about where you are coaching. Well, uh, well, I'm, I'm an assistant coach at Northeastern University. Um, and first of all, I'd like to apologize to every single coach I've ever had. I am sorry. I was a pain <laughs> in the butt. And this is no joke. There is no joke. Uh, you know, I think Frank Martin said it best um, uh, sometime during the tournament. You know, they, they say the kids have changed. I'm not sure if the kids have changed. I think the adults have changed more because um, we don't ask enough of our kids. And as an assistant, um, as having been able to play for a long time, um, you know, an extremely high level, I was where these kids want to be. And, you know, my pedigree uh, helps me helps me with them because they have to listen. Now, they don't have to do it, but they do have to listen. And uh, I just think it's, um, it's, it's really tough on the other side because you're depending on, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids to, uh, you know, for your livelihood. Yeah. I mean, it's a cutthroat business. Um, and, again, I'm just learning about it because I haven't had to deal with it. You know, I haven't had to deal with it. So, uh you know, from this side. So, I, I, again, I apologize, coaches. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and so what would you say in, in being an assistant, are, like helping the bigs now? Again, it's a lot of the bigs want to go outside. What about now teaching them the inside game? Because, again, everyone's going to shoot the three ball, but teaching some of these bigs these post moves that you knew that you were really good at and Charles was really good at and Jerome was really good at that could still get you a lot of points when everyone's waiting for that three-point shot, right? Right, exactly. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just trying to get on the plane. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? Question? Oh yeah. So I so, so teaching the big. You are you really focusing your attention on the bigs and how the, the certain big man moves they're using and all that stuff in the games for practice and the. Um, yes, that's um that's definitely a huge part of it. Um, it's more of a, it, it's more of you know um, getting through mentally to the guys because the guy the, the game has changed. And it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult to dig. But the good thing is, is me having played in Europe for so long, um, that's exactly you know the game I was used to. So it's, it's a lot of fun uh, sharing experiences. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow, wow. wow. Yeah, and lastly, I guess, Bob, Bobby, um, and when uh, – what are your goals? An assistant coach now, you want a head coach job, to coach as a head coach at one point in time, get that opportunity? I don't know. Are you kidding me? I'm just getting into this. I have no idea. <laughs> this is uh, – you know, for as much basketball as I think that I understand, the college game is totally different. I mean, this yeah. is, uh, you know, it's recruiting. Yes. It's, um, it's, it's long nights. It's, yes. You know, what what coaches have to go through, I don't think that, that the people on the outside understand. Um, I've got a lot of respect for my head coach. He is an excellent, excellent old guy, but he's also an excellent person. And you don't always get that. Uh, every friend that I've talked to has said that I'm lucky to – you know, to have someone like Coach Cohen, and uh, when I think back on, on my experiences, or I talk to other assistant coaches who are surprised that I'm actually doing it, they uh, mm. I, they tell me their stories, and I am very, very fortunate. So, head coaching, maybe one day, 
but I enjoy the camaraderie with the kids right now. Um, I enjoy having a little bit more um, time to, you know, to uh, spend with them on the court and off the court. All right. Well, fantastic. Uh, Coach, Ninety uh, seconds. where's the best place we can find information on you, Bobby, and learn more about you? Are you on Twitter and stuff? Are you so we can follow you or check you out or contact um, you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I think it's uh, Coach Martin at, at GoNU or something like that. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> Well, we'll, we'll, like Just, you know. <laughs> we'll find you, Bobby, for sure. And uh, Coach, again, awesome guest. And uh, Bobby, thanks for calling. And take care, Coach. See ya. All right, see ya. Okay, bye bye. See ya. Okay, bye bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.